Hi, my name is Andrew. I am a junior Arabic major at Middlebury College. Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm a junior international politics and economics major at Middlebury College, and I've taken a first year seminar with our guest professor, Professor Robert Greeley. And I have taken Arabic from him throughout my career here at Middlebury. Um, so without further ado, I would love to introduce you. Um, professor Greeley is an assistant professor in the Arabic department at Middlebury College. He received his PhD in geography from the University of South Carolina, Columbia. His recent research focuses on environmental governance and protected areas. Among the courses he teaches here are the Environmental Middle East, which looks at nature and society questions in Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. He also teaches the Levant, which looks at literary and cultural production of Syria and Lebanon. Professor Greeley is affiliated with Environmental Studies at Middlebury, where he teaches Human Environment, the Middle East, which addresses nature society questions in Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. In 2020, Professor Greeley published a paper entitled Conservation, Territorialization, and Sport Hunting in Lebanon's Shouf Biosphere Reserve. This article problematizes the narrative that states expand their control through classifying lands adjacent to a protected area under different conservation categories. Through many periods of fieldwork and interviews done in language, Professor Greeley found that the Lebanese state could not territorialize and control such areas next to the Shouf Biosphere Reserve. Professor Greeley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, thank you for having me. This is an honor, thank you. Yeah, definitely. So to start off, can you describe your current relationship with Lebanon? So when did you first visit and how often do you visit Lebanon? Um, thank you. So my first visit to Lebanon was in 2003. Um, and I went to Lebanon. I was on a Fulbright in Jordan. And I went to, I, I did a quick trip through Lebanon. That was my first exposure to Lebanon. Um, and I've been going on and off since then. Um, first, to answer the question of my current relationship with Lebanon is, I, go to, I try to go to Lebanon every year, if possible, if not more. Um, I usually go in the summer because that's when I'm available. Um, and... I guess I would just say this. I, I love Lebanon. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great place. Um, it's a really fun place to be. Um, so my relation, my current relationship, as, is, as it always has been, is I really love it. Um, I started, years ago, I really started thinking about research in Lebanon as... As researchers of the Middle East know, there's there's often right people think about a backup subject when they want to study something. The problem with the Middle East oftentimes is you sadly often need a backup country. And so I I went to I went to I was in Jordan when I first went to Lebanon on sort of a trip, and I went very quickly before, and this was 2003. You know, it happened in 2003. It was 
was the uh, American-led invasion in Iraq. And so the research I was doing in Jordan got cut short. Um, and then I finished my master's at UC Berkeley in Arabic literature. And I sort of realized I didn't want that as much as I loved literature, that I didn't love the study of literature. I went into Lebanon and I, I was like, what do I want to do? Um, and I went to the mountains. I went in the mountains and I went to this thing called the Shouf Biosphere Reserve. And I was like, I love this. This is great. Snow, trees, more snow. It was winter um, or like early, early, early spring. And there was tons. It was just, I was like, this is where I want to do research. And so I started kind of working that. Um, My next question does focus more narrowly on your paper. Yeah. And on your research. Um, so in your paper, you describe how when you're around 200 yards away from the Shouf Biosphere Reserve, you had a pretty close encounter with a hunter. Yeah. Control and the environment yep. are a focus of many of the classes. Yes. That you teach at Middlebury. Yes. Including the first year seminar that I took with you. Definitely. In the fall of 2018. That was fun. It was, definitely. Um, but can you elaborate just a little bit more on why you're so interested in the interaction between state ap- apparatus and the environment and control? Excellent. Um, I, mean the, I, I think the phenomenon of the state is bizarre. Um, right? Like, the, it, it is... It is modernism kind of gone ultra-violent. I mean, you have an entity that has a complete monopoly on violence. Um, And we think of it often as the solution too many things and and we think of it as this kind of an advancement and a way to sort of resolve issues and then we have sort of international forums and the UN and these multilateral institutions which are purportedly representative of the desires of states and states then are purportedly representative on in some capacity if they're supposedly democracy then are representative of the will of their people. Um, And yet, in some ways, they're really just sort of violent corporations. Um, And, or representative of entrenched moneyed interests. And so I find myself thinking... Okay, so, and this within my field, within geography, really grew out of, is taken up in a critique of protected areas as areas that are connected to state power and um, sort of a multilateral conservation projects that marginalize local peoples and control resources through sort of 
international environmental agendas. And so this sort of dubbed what we call uh, fortress conservation. Mm -hmm. And the critique, this fortress conservation critique is, is very robust, right? It, it has tons of data right? that's been very ground truth. Um, and I have no sort of contention that its tenets are incorrect, right? It's very well backed up. However, it's also what I'm trying to do here is is like all things that it, it, it once when a critique has been launched, it then finds more robust findings, and I am trying in this to, and part of those robust findings are the sort of coherence or interlapping between the state, local state, local actors, and international finance and money that then controls and territorializes these areas and then controls local populations. And so, yes, this is definitely true, but in this sort of robust and needed redundant findings for this, I also wanted to say, okay, this is great, but what else are we also finding, right? What are we finding when we go and think about things like, about a state's ability to actually territorialize these spaces? So I want to revisit an idea that you had in kind of previously in that answer, which is about how you were pushing back a little bit on prevailing literature. Yeah. This idea of um, sort of statorialization of this idea, sort of this like fortress conservation idea. Yeah. Um, and then you find that in Lebanon, this isn't exactly the case with hunting because um, there's a structural division between this legislative and enforcement duties. There's this lack of institutional support for police who often had to contend with sort of complex social dynamics yeah. and um, politically connected hunters, for example. Um, are these things that aren't a factor in other places? Are these things that are unique to Lebanon? Or um, is there anything like particularly unique about the fact that there isn't necessarily fortress conservation in this region? So, thank you. This is a great question. Because I think, having said that, the tenets of fortress conservation have been sort of robustly and redundantly found. Um, I, I also think that um, a lot of it is uh, it's research that is not necessarily done in language. Mm -hmm. And so I think in a way um, What I hope this article to be is a chance for other people to start noticing other events and phenomena and data and, and attitudes around them so that when they go to these places that have you know, a, a sort of clear conservation, uh, fortress conservation 
trappings that they also notice other things that are not that. I think the one thing that interested both Andrew and I was the idea of these complex social networks. I know that Andrew has a question that's pretty focused on that. Yes, absolutely. Um, if you could allow me just to read a short section from your work. Yes. Um, during interviews, this social network was described in the Arabic word mahsubiya. And I, I do read this quote because I think it's very pertinent to what you were talking about, the necessity of performing work in language and so that it's not so extractive. Yeah. Um, so back to the quote. <laughs> mahsubiya which in context can simply translate to brackets social accountability. The triliteral root of this word ha sin ba stands in the semantic field containing the words for accounting, account, accounting, accountable, accountant, etc. And for the check at a restaurant. No, I wrote the, that, I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the root and semantic field provides a sharper sense of how these networks social role as a system of accounts built on favors, social indebtedness, and local positions of power could be used against an officer. Yeah. So my question is, due to recent governmental failures in all sectors and Lebanon's faltering economy and high inflation, have people used this type of social accountability or these sorts of social networks to procure food from the reserve um, as Lebanon joins the UN list of countries at risk of catastrophic famine? I'm so glad you mentioned that last line. So, my research has shifted. Um, summer before last, I traveled to uh, Lebanon, and I, and I, uh, Kenny Fernandez, who is currently a graduate student at Virginia, Virginia, um, went with me, and we. We actually did food research, um, and that informs my upcoming class next spring, uh, food security in Lebanon. Um, and so, so sort of to your question, Mahsubiya, this sort of social indebtedness, right, is definitely also not particular to Lebanon, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these sort of social networks of favors and accountability are everywhere. Um, in terms of food procurement, um, as Lebanon careens towards um, kind of disaster, and hopefully this can be averted, um, I mean, I think these social networks will decidedly play a role in the food, in food distribution. Um, And so when I think about these sort of social networks and think about upcoming food insecurity, something that's very thought about in these sort of contexts is resiliency. Right? How, if there's a shock, can a country deal with this shock? And Lebanon has gone through enough shocks that it doesn't matter if you have excellent social networks or whatever, right, if there is enough difficulty in Lebanon that I really think that 
you can smash these networks. You can, what I mean is like these networks, right? The shocks, currency devaluation, international banks, right? setting up conditionality for lending or for bailout, saying this is you're corrupt, so we're not going to do this, we're not going to help you with this until you meet our conditionality. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of the same IMF multilateral conditionality that we've had forever, just under new, a new guise. Absolutely. New acronyms with greater outcomes than supposed autonomy and <laughs> measurables. Yeah. It's like, no, we're not going to capitalize your banks because we've decided that you are corrupt and we don't know where it's all going, so we're just going to let everything go to hell. Thank you so much for your time today, Professor Greeley. This has been really enriching and I feel like we covered a lot yeah. of ground. And I feel like these are conversations that we can continue having for hours and days and months and years on end. And I'm looking forward to continuing these conversations with you as well. Thank you. Thank you guys for, I mean, in some ways I, I talked a lot and it's at the end of the semester and a hard semester and it, and, uh, I'm tired, so perhaps I, I'm quite effusive and willing to talk. So you, <laughs> you got me at a great moment. Yes. Um, yes. And so uh, in other times, maybe I would have been more guarded, but I, I stand by what I, 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 I stand by my commitment to public struggle. And if I've said something that is wrong and then I'm also willing to learn from that and that I don't pretend that everything I say is right or a success because we are all successful all the time. These need to be open dialogues where we get to be wrong. And I'm, as much as I am convinced of my own words, I'm also wanting to continue these sorts of dialogues. And it's important because why else are we here <laughs> exactly great thank you so much professor thank you thank you thank, thank you, you.